they treated everyone with such kindness and compassion, and they were always there to be a mentor for me professionally and personally. And even once I left Disney, they, I still keep in touch with them, and they're still really great mentors. And I would always look to them and be like, I, I want to lead like them. Hello, and welcome to Freaking Out About Work with Randy Freaking, the podcast about everything related to your work, your rights and responsibilities in the workplace, whether you are a minimum wage worker, a blue or white collar employee, or an executive. If you work for a living, this podcast is for you. It contains important information that your perspective, current, or former employer does not want you to know, including the basics of your rights and obligations in the workplace, as well as practical tips on how to level the playing field regarding issues that arise every day on the job. Each future episode will feature an expert on the workplace or a guest who may tell us about his or her particular occupation. Hello and welcome to episode 21 about freaking out about work with Randy Freaking emanating from the fine Studio One of Gwyn Sound in downtown Cincinnati, Ohio. In previous episodes, we have met interesting experts about the rights and responsibilities of employees in the workplace, as well as job coaches and everyday people talking about their careers and lessons learned. As we move forward, we will hear more from everyday workers and their work experiences. Today, our special guest is Maggie Moore, and our topic is working at Disney. Maggie is a graduate of the University of Kentucky, where she majored in human communication, and she earned Dean's List honors several times. Maggie also held several leadership positions involving diversity and inclusion on UK's Lexington campus. After graduation, Maggie went to work at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Maggie, before we get into your work at Disney, tell us a little bit about your education at the University of Kentucky and your ultimate decision to look for work at Disney World upon graduation. So I went to UK, mm -hmm. the finest institution this country has seen. Go Cats. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it was about my junior year, and that's when it starts to get pushed on you that you need to start thinking about your career. It's not not as fun anymore. That's right. And I had never really had a real interview before, so I was just kind of applying random places, and that's when I stumbled upon Disney, and I interviewed there just kind of for fun, and I ended up getting an internship for my spring semester of junior year. Didn't think I was going to go, and ended up going. Thought it was just such a cool opportunity that I couldn't pass up. And went, did the internship, and this is that's when I found out this is for me. And that's what I want to do after graduation. So was that like an in-person interview where you had to fly down to Orlando, or did they do that by phone in those days? No, it was just phone interview. They have you take a personality test, mm -hmm. and then they do a phone interview. Okay. And as we continue our examination of working in America, Maggie 
came to my mind as someone who could tell us about an experience many kids dream about, working at Disney World or perhaps Disneyland in California. It is topical currently because there are some controversies swirling at Disney about its treatment of the 160,000 workers at its various theme parks. And of all things, that controversy originates with Abigail Disney, who was the daughter of Roy Disney and granddaughter of Roy O. Disney, co-founder of the Walt Disney Company with her great-uncle Walt Disney. I listened to a TED Talk podcast recently, and Ms. Disney advocated for the idea that companies have a moral obligation to place their workers above shareholders, calling on Disney and all corporations to offer respect, dignity, and a living wage to everyone who works for them. In particular, Abigail Disney took aim at Disney CEO Bob Iger's compensation. In 2018, Iger earned a $66 million compensation package. One month before this statement, she had claimed that CEOs are generally, quote, paid far too much, unquote, saying that, quote, there is nobody on earth who is worth 500 times his median worker's pay, unquote. Abigail Disney called for pay equity reform. In 2009, Iger made 911 times the median worker's pay at Disney in 2020. Hourly pay at Disney ranges from an average of $23,000 to $102,000 for full-time workers at Disney, although one half of them make less than $50,000 per year. Many of them are in the $20,000 range. Early in 2020, Abigail Disney was flabbergasted over the company's decision to furlough thousands of low-paid workers as a result of the COVID pandemic after paying its executives millions of dollars. She tweeted, quote, what the actual F-U-C-K, unquote. Ms. Disney also claimed that company executives worldwide have been grossly overpaid since the 1970s, a topic that we addressed in Episode 1 of this podcast series. And it is true that company executives before the 1970s had multiples of the lowest paid workers that were far less than the multiples today. What kind of person is comfortable with this, Disney tweeted, asking Iger to reconsider his pay and return some of his money to the company. She acknowledged that Disney faces a rough couple of years, to be sure, because of the pandemic, but she wrote, quote, but that does not constitute permission to continue pillaging and rampaging by management, unquote. She had previously blasted worker conditions at Disneyland in California and their pay. And so, with all that controversy swirling in the air, I thought it would be interesting to talk to one of those kids who dreamed about working at Disney. So, Maggie Moore, were you one of those kids? Were you a Disney fan growing up? I was, yes. We took trips a few times growing up. Um, It was never really something that I thought about, like, dreaming about until I got to college and applied. But I was a Disney fan. 
Were you a Cinderella fan by any chance and visited Cinderella's castle, I guess, down there at Disney World? I did, yes. (laughs) Are there any other Disney characters that you liked or uh, enjoyed growing up that you can think of? Mickey, Minnie? Yeah, it is funny. Like, now that you ask, I didn't realize how much, like, it was part of my life growing up just because I loved Sleeping Beauty. I would watch that Mm -hmm. probably every day. And that was my favorite princess. Were you a, uh, did you participate in plays or anything like that? In I did not. Grade school or high school? So Mm-mm. you're not a budding um, actor. Or I'm not a thespian, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, do you recall anything about your interview um, with the Disney folks? Like, what do you think they were curious about in order to determine whether a college student? could be successful down at the theme park. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of emphasis on previous customer service experience and how you handle yourself in those situations just because it's not rainbows and butterflies (laughs) dealing with angry customers. (laughs) So there's an emphasis on that, but also your general attitude. They're looking for upbeat, optimistic people. And how about, did you have previous experience in customer service? Yes. I was working in a restaurant. I was a server. Okay. And I noticed on your resume, I think you spent some time at Riverbend Music Center. I did. What kind of work did you do there? I was in the VIP Center as a server. There's a small little restaurant there with bar food, and I was first a hostess, then I worked up to a server. Okay. So for people unfamiliar with Cincinnati, Ohio... Riverbend is a popular music venue uh, in the summer. Um, what did uh, Disney promise you when you were hired? You know, what kind of things did they tell you about in order to lure you to make the trek from Lexington, Kentucky down to Orlando? It's kind of funny because they just promised me a job. They don't really sell you anything except for just the job and just the pay that you're going to get. <laughs> Did you have any idea what kind of job you would have when you arrived? Yes. The first time around, they told me I was going to be working in a restaurant as a hostess in Cedar. And then the second time around, they told me I was going to be working in attractions. So they tell you the job coming into it, just not necessarily the exact location. And what was the restaurant experience like? Um, Was there a name to that restaurant? For those who may have been down to Disney, maybe they ran into you at some point. (laughs) Yes, it's at Disney's Grand Floridian. It's a buffet restaurant, so Cinderella's actually there at night. Okay, she stops by to visit the kids? Yes. Yeah, and it was a great experience. Um, And seems so far away now since it was my junior year of college. I hardly even remember it. (laughs) I was there for six months little longer than that, eight months, January to August. That was your first stint at, at Disney, is that correct? Correct, yes. And was that a popular restaurant? Was it busy? Yeah, it was pretty busy. Uh, most nights they were fully booked. And what kind of work did you do there? So I was a hostess, so it was just taking people to their tables, but also sometimes there is a wait time that accumulates. Mm-hmm. So kind of just keeping people entertained that are hanging out there, but also assigning people to their tables, which is kind of like an art. (laughs) Um, Okay, now why is that an art? Just because you have to keep people balanced and, you know, figuring out 
how many are in this party? Which table can we seat them at? You don't want to put this party in front of this party because of wait times, but you also want to keep the servers happy as well because they get picky about, you know, you gave me six people. I could have had eight at this table. And you've pro- you're probably dealing with some antsy parents and some kids that are bouncing off the walls is that, oh, yeah. as they're waiting for Cinderella, maybe. or Do, they, do the kids even know that Cinderella is going to show up? Yes, most of the time they do. And so yeah. that's the attraction of that particular dinner spot, I guess, for families. Right. And it's the end of the day. People are hungry. Now, there's something I understand is called the four keys at Disney. Mm-hmm. Was that part of your training? Yes. That's the first thing that you learn going into Disney that, you know, your work ethic kind of revolves around. And the four keys are safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency in that order. So wait, safety? And this was pre-COVID days, correct? Yes. <laughs> um, which is interesting. I, what, what, what does that mean? Just uh, keep kids from running into each other? I, I don't know why a restaurant would be particularly unsafe, but I guess that, is that throughout the park? Are the four keys applicable to the entire park? Yeah, the four keys, it's pretty much anywhere you go. Safety wasn't really a big concern working in a restaurant, but once I moved to attractions, that was huge keeping people safe. I guess in a restaurant it's more so food allergies, stuff that really doesn't pertain to being a hostess. And the other three keys were first courtesy, mm-hmm. which you would think would be really important when you're dealing with customers. Right. The third was show. Show. Now what what's that mean in the Disney sense? Everything's a show at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> They even say when you're in front of guests, that's you're considered on stage. And then when you go to the back, that's backstage. And so you always want to keep that show special for guests. And then the uh, fourth key? Efficiency. Efficiency. Mm -hmm. That's just moving people in and out, making sure that they're not standing in line too long. Or what is efficiency all about? Personally, efficiency was my favorite key, but yeah, just keeping things going as fast as possible, um, also evolving, finding new ways to do things to make us more efficient. So when you arrived at, at, at Disney and before you went into the restaurant, did they have like a training program you went through? Yes. Everyone goes through Disney University when they first get there and everyone does something called traditions. And it's a two-day class, just kind of introducing you to the company and showing you the four keys. And where is Disney University located physically? Is it within the park or is it off-site? It's right behind Magic Kingdom. Oh, right behind the Magic Kingdom? Mm -hmm. Is it like traditional classroom style? Right. Yes. So guests can't really get there. Like if they're in Magic Kingdom, it's not inside of it. You would have to drive past it. Okay. And your, your work in the restaurant was part of this Disney college program? Correct. And you did that for eight months or so. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, anything memorable stand out from that other than being able to see Cinderella? Were there other characters or um, actors that came by from time to time? Or was no. it pretty much Cinderella's show? No. I mean, it was Cinderella, the stepsisters, Lady Tremaine, and Prince Charming that were there every night. Okay. So it was a madhouse. <laughs> well, I can imagine because you got a bunch of kids bouncing off the walls, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And which was your favorite? Favorite character? Mm-hmm. 
I like Cinderella. Okay. <laughs> what about working with your coworkers in the restaurant? Were these mostly college students or younger adults? So most of the people that I worked with that were seaters and had the same role as me, they were also in college. The servers were probably in their 40s. It's interesting. They opened up that restaurant and stayed there ever since. And then the leadership team there were kind of scattered in ages. It was anywhere from my age to 60. Okay, so but the servers, you're saying, were there a long time. These oh, yeah. These are people that literally opened the park and had worked there for 15, 20 years. Yeah, they're lifers is what they're called. Okay. And now your your second stint, you, you so you returned to UK for a while for another semester or something? Yeah, I had to finish up senior year, graduated. Okay, you did graduate. Did you have to... Did you have a promise of returning to Disney after your first stint, or did you have to interview again? I did interview. Okay. And was that again by phone? Mm-hmm. All right. And what happened with that interview? Gosh, that was the worst interview that I have ever had. I will remember that forever. <laughs> it was so, not a good interview. So I remember thinking that, you know, I didn't, I didn't get it. I need to find a backup plan because that was the only job that I had applied to. And then what happened? I mean, I got it <laughs> <laughs> by a stroke of luck. I think they told me a month before I was supposed to move down. And so, what was your next job at Disney? I was an attractions host in Magic Kingdom. Okay. And what attraction or attractions did you work on? The world famous Jungle Cruise. <laughs> the Jungle Cruise. I've been on the Jungle Cruise. That's one of my favorite. Rides at Disney because it's nice and calm, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're just going through like a canal, mm-hmm. right? Through a, a jungle, obviously. A nice, calm boat ride, yes. So that has a bunch of different employees on it. What what role did you uh, do it on the Jungle Cruise? You're trained to do everything when okay. you're there. So you can be on the boat spieling to people. You can be outside. You can be loading people on the boat, sorting people into groups. They do it all. Okay, so... What was the best part of that job for you? Which of those roles did you like the most? Kind of depended on the day. <laughs> <laughs> I liked being out front just because you're not spieling to people. People can come up to you and approach you and ask you questions, and you get to see your coworkers there. And I can imagine that requires you to have a lot of knowledge of the entire park. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, and I would part, say so. part of the training? Mm-hmm. Like... I imagine if parents are standing in line and for Jungle Cruise, they want to know where, I don't know, another ride is in the park, and you've got to somehow figure out how to direct them mm-hmm. when they're off that? Yes. I would say working in the parks takes a lot of knowledge of having, or a lot of knowledge for that specific park. And I'm lucky I got to know Magic Kingdom before I actually worked there because there were people that I was working with. That was their first time there. And it's a lot to learn. It's a lot to get used to. You had been there with your family. Right. In previous years. Mm-hmm. And they have something called the Fast Pass. I mean, I, I remember being down there and some some people had a Fast Pass, I think it was called, mm-hmm. where they got to get on the ride sooner mm-hmm. than others. Mm-hmm. Was that a price? I guess that was a price your ticket. No, it's everyone has Fast Passes. They're included with the ticket. So how does that work? Why does... why the, why do some lines take longer and the fast pass line goes 
sooner if everybody's got a fast pass. So you have to schedule fast passes. Um, let's see. You get three at a time. Once okay. you use one, then you can make another one. Okay. Um, and so I... It's really complicated, and they don't tell most people that everyone has fast passes and you're able to make fast passes. <laughs> so you get off the Jungle Cruise, you've got to get on maybe your app or something and schedule a time to use the pa- fast pass, like, like Space Mountain. Is that what it was called, Space Mountain? Mm-hmm. Right. I kind of remember that. That was sort <laughs> of a, a ride where you went over a waterfall, right? That's Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain. <laughs> there is a Space Mountain, though. Okay. Well, either one, they'd have to make a fast pass reservation if they didn't want to stand too long in line for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, how about when you're spieling? You say you're you're out on the boat itself in the Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. Did you get any training about how to spiel? How do you entertain these adults and children while they're going on this ride? I, I kind of recall it was 10 or 12, 15 minutes mm-hmm. through the jungle. Oh, yeah. Um, so you train for five full days. And you're told exactly what's expected of you. You are given a script. And it has multiple jokes for each scene and things that you can say. And basically the script is you can say anything in here and Disney can legally back you. Okay. Just in case you were to get in trouble for saying something. And so when you came down for this second stint from UK, you went through five more days of training at Disney University? Right. On the attraction itself? hmm And how many people would be working on this attraction at any particular time? That's a pretty busy attraction, as I remember, Jungle Cruise, because adults and kids both like it. Right. Gosh, I guess you've got 25 people there, at least, working it. Oh, because there's multiple boats mm-hmm. going on at one time, right? And there's people at the... Um, the entry point, right, where you're mm-hmm. getting on the boat. And then, like you said before, there's people outside kind of taking care of the line. Right. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So what are some of the some of the memorable jokes you can recall and maybe in what context? <laughs> and did you, have to memorize, did you have to memorize these or did you have like a piece of paper you could grab no. onto? No, no pieces of paper. That's part of the show. Okay. Key is that you're not allowed to have it in front of you. You have to have it memorized when you're going around. Except I... somebody had a really great bit that they did. This was really memorable. They had note cards in front of them and they were acting like they were new. They'd been there for years. And then when they hit the bump, they like f- the note cards go flying. And so then he does the whole jungle cruise out of order. <laughs> <laughs> like the like the notes go flying into the water. Yeah. Or into the jungle, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Any particular joke that was your favorite or that you can actually remember? I always liked, <laughs> we are not out of the woods yet. You can tell because there's trees. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> the whole premise of the Jungle Cruise is that you're a tour guide that's not really qualified to do this job. So it's supposed to be funny. Oh, really? It's part of the shtick? Yeah. Is to be kind of unqualified. Yeah. So you're saying really just stupid things. <laughs> and how are you dressed when you're on these boats? Are you like in a safari outfit? Or Yes. <laughs> it's full khaki, just shorts and shirt khaki. 
And how were the customers generally? I mean, was it easier to deal with the adults or easier to deal with the kids? You know, kids never yell at me. <laughs> so the kids are fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the guests, they're fine. Most of the time they are really lovely and happy to be there. That's kind of interesting. The adults would some some sometimes show they were upset about something or another. Oh, yeah. And the kids were just chilling, yeah. waiting for the ride and having fun. Mm-hmm. How about, um, were there any particular supervisors or coworkers that you enjoyed working with? Mm-hmm. I adore everyone that I worked with, for the most part. Um, they were wonderful. The management that I had there, I really don't think that I will find better leaders in other workplaces because hmm. they acknowledge that I have a life outside of work. I'm not just some work machine that shows up every day. Mm-hmm. And they treated everyone with such kindness and compassion. And they were always there to be a mentor for me professionally and personally. And even once I left Disney, I still keep in touch with them and they're still really great mentors. And I would always look to them and be like, I, I want to lead like them. And my coworkers, I would show up every day. That's really what I remember about this job is that I would show up to work and just laugh all eight hours that I was there. They are so funny and so fun to be with. And they really made that job what it was. That's that's really good to hear about a, a work environment. Mm-hmm. That you really had a lot of fun. You respected your coworkers. You respected your supervisors. You're calling them great leaders. Mm-hmm. So that kind of balances out maybe Abigail Disney's uh, criticism to some extent. That it's not all about the pay sometimes. It's about the work environment. And you sound like you really enjoyed it. Right. Yeah, I did. I had a wonderful experience there. I can't say enough positive things about it. And now uh, you, you referred to yourself as an intern, but were you, you were paid, right? Some yes. Some companies don't pay their interns, which I've objected to for years. They get free labor. Free labor, yeah. Disney <laughs> did not get free labor. Yeah, um, it's cheap labor. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm sure it was slightly above minimum wage or so. Yes. And how about uh, things like benefits or uh, housing? How, how, did, how did those two things work? So, I mean, that is one of the draws when they offer you the job is that they do offer you an apartment. So that takes some stress off of having to find a place to live. And they put you in housing with other people that are also working at Disney. Um, They do offer health care. I didn't partake in it, but I heard they have really great benefits health care wise. And then part of it is getting into any Disney park for free. So I know a lot of people that took a trip to California because all they had to do was pay for their flight. And, you know, discounted merchandise and discounted food. Okay. And the housing was located close to the park? Yes. It was a 15-minute drive away. And how about transportation? Did they provide that as well if you wanted it? Yes. They had buses running to every park, to every resort. Um, You could also opt to take your car, which is what I did. Now, with all of that in mind, are there any... um particular lessons you think you took away from your Disney experience, either related to being an employee or related to being a boss or being related to a company, I guess, an employer? Any particular lessons that you think will help you in the future? Hmm. I guess 
what I was saying earlier about my leaders, I took a lot from them and how I would like to present myself in a workplace and how I want to treat other coworkers and if I'm one day a leader, how I want to treat people that I manage. Yeah, we talk a lot on this show about employees receiving dignity from working. You know, working is one of the most important things in your life other than your family and perhaps your religion. Mm -hmm. And what you're telling us from your Disney experience is that they did give you great dignity while you were working there and you had a lot of respect for your supervisors. And that's a that's a great takeaway, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I that I felt appreciated every day when I was working. Now, I referenced earlier this controversy that was stirred up uh, by Abigail Disney and the pay conditions there and whether or not the CEO was overpaid or not. Were you even aware of that controversy while you were working at the theme park? Yes, I was. We were all we all know about it, just but it happens at every company and it's just something that we're desensitized to it. Right. You were you were all on Twitter probably. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I <laughs> yes. think Abigail Disney was pretty prolific about being on Twitter with her criticism. Mm-hmm. But you think the reaction of the employees, your fellow, your coworkers, was that, eh, this happens at every company in in America, and so it wasn't that it wasn't a big controversy among the uh, workers there. No, um, I mean it's just something that happens everywhere, and I think everybody's used to it by now. But also, we had a great working environment going into this job. We knew we weren't going to be millionaires. Mm -hmm. And we were all very content with where we were working. And so even though we weren't millionaires, we still went to work every day and had a lot of fun and were provided with a really great environment. Well, And you eventually came back to Cincinnati. Tell us about that. Why, why didn't you stay at Disney for the rest of your life? Yes. So they definitely make you pay your dues there. You have to be there for a lot of time before you see any growth and any movement. Mm -hmm. And so I did get to a point where I started feeling like I would like to learn something else. Mm -hmm. And so it got to that point where I either needed to sign a new lease with my roommates or look for another job. And I kind of figured there was more industry up in Cincinnati where I can expand my resume a little bit. And so I kind of just took the first job that I was offered here. Okay. Well, great. Um, I don't think I asked you earlier, was it a 40-hour work week at Disney? Yes. For the most part, um, there were times, it was like any job, you have your busy seasons and sometimes you were seeing 50, 60 hours a week. But for the most part, you were working 40 hours. Okay. Well, it sounds like a wonderful experience at Disney. You thought you were treated very well there. Mm -hmm. You liked your coworkers. You liked your supervisors. You liked the management. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. Uh, Maggie, thanks for coming in today. This has been enjoyable. It's been fun. I learned things about working at Disney I would have never known. So I appreciate it. Next time I'm on the Jungle Cruise, I will think about you. Well, thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this episode of Freaking Out About Work with Randy Freaking, the podcast about everything related to your work, your rights and responsibilities in the workplace, whether you're a minimum wage worker, a blue or white collar employee, or an executive. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and we'll tune in next time when we explore more about working. 
I want to conclude this episode from Studs Terkel that I find valuable. Quote, work is about a search for daily meaning as well as daily bread, for recognition as well as cash, for astonishment rather than apathy. In short, for a sort of life rather than a Monday through Friday sort of dying, unquote. Let's hope that we can all find daily meaning as well as daily bread and recognition as well as monetary benefits. See you next time on Freaking Out About Work and please spread the word if you have enjoyed this podcast. Tell your friends how easy it is to go to freakingoutabout.com and freaking out about is all one word. Thank you, everyone.